the world's a hard place to live in and, and people work really, really hard to support their families and, and, and all of those things. And if an IT team can come together and, and allow people flexibility and, and to spend more time with family and not commute so much and to spend time at home and have that flexibility and, and be secure, then I think that's pretty key. And for me, that's, that's the vision, the why. Welcome to The Edge, the official podcast of the SSE Forum. The SSE Forum brings together people like you, the IT practitioner, who are conquering the biggest challenges in networking and security. Together, the members of the forum share strategy, uncover requirements, and discuss best practices for enabling the modern workplace through security delivered at the network edge. To learn more about the SSE Forum, go to sseforum.com. IO. This podcast is sponsored by Access Security. Access Security secures the modern workplace. They make access to resources and applications impossibly simple and completely seamless. Take the Access 29-minute challenge. See how easy secure application delivery can be. Learn more at accesssecurity.com. And now, on to the podcast. In episode five of The Edge, John and Jay discuss the April meeting of the SSC Forum. The topic was, why do projects fail? Is it leadership, skills gap, or maybe too big of a vision, or perhaps all of the above? So grab your track shoes as we discuss how to overcome the hurdles that projects face. Hey, Jay, how you doing, man? Um, weather's starting to change, starting to get a little warmer here in uh, in Portland. We've got a nice sunny day, 70 degrees. Uh, actually, you know, I, it was um, ride your, you take your bike to school day. So um, my daughter got up. She was super excited. It was spring in the air, nice Nice warmth uh, coming through with the sun, and um, I rode uh, rode to school with my daughter. It was pretty awesome today. How, how's the, how's things going in the UK? Yeah, I mean, we had a long weekend on the weekend, so I spent some time in in Oxford, where the famous university is from, and the weather was good, um, relatively warm, but a bit of a change today. Um, so it's raining. It was okay this morning, but it's raining, and it looks like it's going to rain for a few days. But then it looks like we might have a couple of weeks of good weather, which is nice. Similar change to yourself, I guess. It's Slowly, spring's kind of fading away and summer's coming. So we had another SSE forum uh, last month, actually, in April. Um, and the topic was really projects um, and uh, how, how uh, these transformational projects uh, succeed and fail. And it was interesting. We, we led off with a statistic from McKinsey where um, they cited that 70% of these transformational projects um, tend to fail. And if, um, you know, if you were a baseball player, I, I don't know, you know, how much you know about that. Uh, but in the US, if you are successful three out of 10 times at bat, that's a Hall of Famer. You know, that's that's an opportunity where if you're that good, you're going to get a contract of, you know, $10 million a year. I mean, it's, honestly, sign me up for that. But in the business world, 
that doesn't cut it. Uh, three successful projects out of 10 is just absurdly crazy. It's, it's a, it's, it's failure in a sense. And um, I was curious, what are your thoughts on that? And why is that number so high? I I agree with you. I mean, if only three out of 10 projects are successful, that that's really not a, not a good thing. Um, Obviously during the, the meeting, we talked about how is that measured? What, what are they classing as successful? I mean, we, we all felt really that that number was significantly high for failure, 70%. We thought maybe it should be more like 40 or 50%. But we actually talked about what, what are they using to design, uh, define success and what are they using to measure that? Um, and we also talked about maybe the, maybe the size of projects. I know certainly my feeling was does it really matter if, let, let's say that number is true, 70% of projects fail. If those projects are not bringing any value to the business and therefore they have either been cancelled or no one's got any focus on them and they fail, does it matter? Does it matter if your projects that are not kind of changing or, or bringing useful things to a business business fail? Is it, so is it small projects? Is it large projects? Uh, but I think really a fundamental outcome about talking to it on the meeting was that number just seemed large seems to seem too large for, to, to be true um so i don't know what your thoughts are i mean i would agree i mean 70 percent seems honestly kind of a high number but i think it devils in the details right i mean what kind of projects are we talking about if we're talking about let's just say self-contained it projects call it a upgrade of a server or, um, hey, you're upgrading your hypervisor uh, from, I don't know, uh, I don't know where VMware is it these days on ESXi, is it 8.0 or 9.0 or whatever, wherever they may be. But, you know, that's a, it's a large endeavor, but it's rather self-contained and more often than not, those projects are successful. But if you're talking a large project, for instance, an ERP project that cuts across many lines of business, the opportunity for failure there is much higher than that self-contained ESXi upgrade. And honestly, I think probably that's what uh, McKinsey was talking about. But also the other side of it is, is what are they measuring? Are they measuring a project as you know 90% successful uh, as a failure because it didn't meet 100% of its, its objectives? Maybe that's the case. Um, but, uh, you know, I've seen some of those large projects be successful and, and, and some of them be failures. And a lot of it comes down to strategy. You know, um, I, I look at it, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, books that um, we recommended or had our teams read at a certain point to kind of get them ready for, you know, a, a transition, a transformational situation. And one of the books that you brought up was um, Art of War. <clears throat> And honestly, you know, that's a, given kind of the the climate of of today, that's a a thought I've had is, you know, how do you achieve those objectives? And a lot of it comes down to doing a lot of the hard work up front. So being very clear about what are the objectives. If you think about the original Gulf War, it was very clear what the objectives were. They were set forth. Uh, General Colin Powell, you know, was very clear along with the president at the time. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to eject the um, Iraqis from Kuwait. It was very clear. 
And then they aligned that with the strategy. They, they understood how they were going to do it. And that was based on the capabilities that they had in front of them. Um, you know, they, they, they marshaled a force, put it in place. They drilled that force very successfully. And they understand the processes that, um, you know, they had to go through to make that strategy, that vision successful. And I think a lot of that, uh, you know, dovetails very strongly with how these projects are run. And, and at times when they go sideways, projects that don't have vision, don't have a clear, this is our objective. This is what we're going to do. These are the areas that, you know, we're going to achieve for the business. And when you don't have all that upfront work done correctly or successfully, and you don't communicate it, I think that's where the projects start to go sideways. Yeah. And I mean, we, we kind of talked to, and, and you alluded to some of it there, but we talked a little bit about things like vision and skills, um, requirements, resources, is a business ready for change and how do you measure projects and things like communication and I think one of the things that the initial one we talked about was was the vision, and you've just said that there. I mean, I've I've done hundreds of projects, I guess, in my career, and and if you don't tell people why you're doing something and get them to buy in to why you're doing it, then it's really hard to make projects successful because if if people aren't bought in and they rally around. And they're all fighting for the same goal, then it's likely that projects could get derailed. Um, one of the things I, I've I've noticed throughout my career is, and and you said this about IT projects, if it's just a single team within a business doing a project, if it's just your IT team, for instance, and it, it's a lot easier to get buy-in. They understand the vision, you sell the vision, and and you can move move projects forward. It's when you include multiple areas of business um if if it's manufacturing or if it's finance or or you know, for, for instance an erp project big project lots of money involved but includes everyone across the business or, or, or a lot of areas at least and we talked about that to, to make a project successful everybody needs to understand the vision the why everybody needs to understand and buy into that but actually, it only takes one or two people that aren't bought in to derail that project. So it's one of those where everybody on the team has to understand what they're doing and, and why they're doing it, and they can be successful. But it only takes one or two kind of key people that aren't bought in to derail it. And actually, in my career, and no doubt for you, if you don't get all those people bought in and you've somehow upset someone along the way, a key stakeholder, they can go out of their way to derail that project, at which point you have no hope of making it successful. Um, and, and I mean, that's kind of, to me, vision and, and the, is, is the why. Why are you doing it? And that, I think that came out in the, in, in the meeting. Several people talked about it. So I, I don't know how you've felt, but certainly projects that I've seen be successful have taken the whole team. Projects that have failed have just because a, a small number of people haven't bought in. Oh yeah, I mean, I've seen several projects in my career that uh, failed, didn't succeed, stillborn uh, due to team dynamics. Um, could be, you know, it, where there's a shared 
responsibility between two teams, say at the networking team and the security team, and they can't come to alignment. Um, and, uh, you know, the business needs, you know, a project to be completed. Um, for instance, let's call it a, I don't know, firewall upgrade or a firewall replacement project. And inevitably, uh, if you don't have that common alignment um, or you have multiple vendors involved, it, it can lead to contention between these teams. One team may think, hey, we want to do it in this more traditional way um, using a vendor we know. And another team is you know, thinking a little forward and thinking, hey, we can change things here. We can move away from these hardware devices, move over to a software-based solution, lower our costs, um, gain more in innovation, I guess you would say, more features and secure our workforce better. But um, at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, people having conversations and coming to alignment. And if they don't come to alignment, um, that project, which may have a lot of promise, uh, inevitably doesn't get off the ground, fails, or uh, even worse, uh, you, end, you end up buying the product, but uh, the product sits on a shelf and, and until it's depreciated or off the books, um, that opportunity is missed. So you're exactly right. It, it takes one person, one group, one team, um, a, a number of people that can derail a project that really could benefit the business a lot. And I think this is an area where, you know, transformational technologies say like, you know, secure service edge, SASE, uh, those types of things that, you know, are in our area. Um, that's a lot of the challenges there is, is you've got these folks that have a lot of these old mindsets and are, you know, and one of the areas we talked about was skills gap, and maybe that's what we should get into next. Um, but maybe don't have the skills or are uh, uh, stuck in their ways of thinking that um, they they just can't get out of, and or their 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 career is tied to a particular technology or a way of doing things, and and that can lead to um, stagnation within an organization trying to uh, to make some change. Um, so let's let's dive into skills gap because I think that was an area that. In the forum, we had a lot of conversation on. Um, you want to kind of give your perspective on it first? Yeah, funnily enough, I was just going to say that it, it, it kind of dovetails quite nicely into, into resources and skills. Um, technologies moved fast over the last two or three years due to the pandemic. There's been a lot of kind of change and innovation and and it's not the first time throughout kind of my IT career that I've seen things evolve pretty quickly um but I think one of the things that came out of the out of the forum that we talked about was I guess it wasn't that long ago that that you would kind of be given a choice within IT or there was a choice you had to make did you go down the kind of networking firewall type routes or did you go more down the kind of microsoft type route of, of file services active directory email that kind of thing and and th those seem to be the kind of two choices you you had to make i mean it was quite, quite a quite simple back then um and then came virtualization and it kind of muddied the waters a little bit because 
that was a little bit of storage. That was a little bit of servers. That was a little bit of networking. Then you ran your servers on top. So you needed to know a little bit about everything. And then the cloud came along and kind of confused things even more. And then security came along. And I'm not saying security is new. It's always been there. But now there's a lot more onus on it. And that's kind of muddied the waters further. Um, so now things aren't as silos as they used to be. And you can't just learn one specific area. And you need to know a little bit about everything. You can't become like an expert in, in a particular field. And I think that has affected projects. Um, one of the things we talked about was IT people create a lot of change, but they don't necessarily like it. Now, if you spend 25 years, 30 years, 35 years, that kind of time frame, becoming a Cisco engineer, and then suddenly that starts to go away, uh, and I don't think it will ever fully go away, but it is certainly being reduced by things like SSE and SASE and all of those things have changed. SD-WAN's come along. Then you could be the person kind of it's derailing a project. And that could either be by accident or just because you don't have the skills or because you don't want to put all those hours in it that, that you used to do. And, and we talked a little bit about IT changes so fast that we've probably spent 25 years of our career in books studying every night, putting hours in. And once you get later on in your career, you might not want to do that. Um, and, and you, it was you actually that said, if you find someone now that has all of the skills that are needed, they're like unicorns. They're rare. And I thought that was a brilliant statement um, because it is really hard now to find people that have got enough skill in, in say, cloud tools. Cloud isn't just about a single thing. You need to know a little bit about all of the things we just talked about. And I think it's only going to get more complicated. Um, so that, that's my opinion. I, I mean, I'd be interested to know what yours is as well. Yeah, I think it comes down, and, and this is the area we talked about is, you know, as you mentioned it, technology is changing fast. Um, and in the past, you could be a SME, you could be a subject matter expert on networking or security, platform, storage, whatever it may be. Cloud is kind of upended all of that. You, you now need to be uh, well-versed in networking. You, you know, there's there's really no way with cloud that you, you cannot be, or, and, and you also need to understand security. Security needs to be embedded um, as, as part of your, your strategy there, as well as platform understanding server, server sizing, and then uh, storage on top of that. So you're taking all the elements that in the past were siloed away in, in infrastructure IT and bringing them together. But being that broad means you can't dive down and, and truly understand every aspect of that, unless you are one of those unicorns. And I've uh, only had the pleasure of meeting one of them. And I actually got to hire him and, and work with him for several years. And it was an honor to be with that person, but they are extremely rare. Um, but I think the, ability, the, the key to all of this is at the end of the day, it's that ability to learn. Um, do you have that ability? Do you understand what the process is to uh, truly dive down, understand a technology, um, and then be able to also um, transition over to the next version of that or the next iteration of whatever that technology may be? Um, it comes down to that, that growth mindset. Uh, and it's 
it's a challenge. It really is uh, finding people that are willing to learn uh, and embrace something new and thrive on that. Uh, it was one of the areas when I, you know, was a manager looking, you know, as, 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 you know, attrition happens within an organization, you have the opportunity to, to go out, interview people and um, understand, you know, really at the end of the day, uh, what makes them tick. And one of the questions I would always ask them around is, um, you know, what, what do you, what did you enjoy as a kid? Um, what kind of things did you do? Uh, and kind of the answers. And if I become a manager again, I'm probably uh, helping somebody out that might interview with me in the, in the future. But uh, one of the areas I always wondered about and, and enjoyed when you know they said this was they enjoyed playing with Legos. And it wasn't so much that, and then I would ask him again, you know, how did you, you work with those Legos? Did you break out the, you know, the, the, the manual and, and the instructions and follow the instructions faithfully to build whatever, you know, device or uh, it's, it's May 4th. So let's call it a Star Wars toy. Um, was that, you know, did you follow those instructions or did you kind of go off on your own path and, and create something new? I was always interested in the person that went off the path and created something new, um, whether that be, you know, a variation of an X-Wing fighter, um, turn it into a, a, a Y-Wing fighter. Um, I, I was more interested in that person that um, would explore the world and um, not have to follow the instructions uh, to a T. So always looking for something new. <clears throat> but it's really hard in these days because you're, you're absolutely correct. Um, this last two years has accelerated technology in a way that we haven't seen in a long time. And you take the trends of cloud, uh, take the trends that you know, businesses are, are moving to a hybrid workforce. Applications are becoming more and more distributed. Um, this is a time of great change. And if you don't have that growth mindset, um, it's hard to adjust. And um, I think it's it's incumbent upon leadership, and that could be your, your, your line of business manager, it could be your uh, tech lead, um, to work with their teams and really help them along in this journey to um, transition them to, you know, understand that the technologies you used yesterday may not be the technologies you use in two years or three years or five years. Um, and you constantly have to be in this process of, of learning something new, of embracing um, these new technologies and understanding how they fit in your ecosystem. So um, skills gap, yes, this is an area that uh, if, if I'm thinking about uh, transforming or uh, bringing on a project, say a transformational project in networking or security or any of those infrastructure areas, or even you know ERP, if you know you want to go all the way across the business, skills gaps an area you 100% have to be laser focused on. Yeah, and I think you you alluded to to, to people being accepting of change in in that comment that you've just made, and that brings us nicely onto the the topic of change that we talked about and. I mean, learning new technologies and being accepting of new technologies and understanding new technologies is fundamentally change. Um, so we talked a little bit about not just people being accepting of change, but organizations accepting change. Um, 
And one of the things that came out of the meeting was trust and and how building trust within an organization we felt enabled people to make change a little bit easier. If you've been through big transformational projects within a business before and you've got to trust the team that are doing it and, and the team around you, then I fundamentally think it's easier to to bring on change quicker in the future because you you've kind of created that safe environment that, that when you go and request a project or a budget or you talk to people about the vision, people are more likely to to accept that if you've got a proven track record. I think one of the things we were concerned about was staff rotation and and the skills gap. So if if you've got a high turnover of staff in a business, then I think it's harder to for people to be able to trust a team. So let, let's say you've got an IT team that's been around 10 or 15 years and it's the same people. And people are used to you making change and doing big projects and they've been successful and you you've not only are you able to maybe sell the vision and communicate it better because you know the people around you, um, but that then brings on kind of the project to be more successful, which means when you go back and want to do something else, I think it's easier to get that change approved. I've worked in businesses where the change process has been leave it until it breaks because it's easier to to, to make the change um, rather than jump through all the hoops of actually getting change approved. And that's not, never a good place. So change process has been something that's kind of evolved over the last five or 10 years maybe it wasn't something that existed really when i first got into it but i've also seen areas where if you get that process wrong whether it be too strict or or not strict enough then you you end up with problems so i really i really think you need to have a change process so that you're not just making random things happen um but it needs to be fit for the business and and, and i think it, as I was saying before, if you've got a, a, a team of people that have been through things before, then it's easier, I think, to, to bring in that change. Organizations are more likely to be accepting of that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you're pulling on some threads here that uh, really resonate with me. Um, <clears throat> you know, trust, change, transparency. Um, these are really areas that an organization um, needs to focus on to, to have a culture, a culture of um, success, a culture that embraces change, that embraces moving forward, um, trusting one another. It, it was something that I always, um, in my career as, as a leader, um, really tried to foster is, is um, a strong culture uh, within the team. So, you know, when the hard ask came up, uh, you know, had to work the extra hours at night to do whatever it may be to, to make that change successful, the team was willing to embrace that. Um, but they also knew that on the other side of the, of the coin, um, you know, there was a, a reward coming, uh, whether it be, you know, more uh, a bigger bonus or uh, more latitude, um, more time to spend with their family, 
maybe it was a golf event that uh, you know we do as a group. Um, it could be as simple as you know buying someone a cup of coffee in the middle of the day, um, just randomly. But creating that culture within an organization has knock-on benefits that um, you really can't measure. And um, you know, if you can create that transparency, that trust, uh, you know, you, you can mention there. Um, you can really affect an organization in a way that uh, you wouldn't otherwise be able to do if you just took it as more of a transactional approach. So um, I think that's it wasn't something that we discussed during the forum, but um, culture is is immensely important in in the success of these projects. I would be interested to see if uh, you know there's a study out there that measures corporate culture versus um, you know successful projects executed uh, versus a company that has more of a transactional um, approach to their workforce and see you know are these projects as successful? My bet would be culture um, at the end of the day is um, that that overall factor that uh, drives a lot of success in in terms of these projects that you know we we were talking about um as we kind of you know i think we we covered a lot what um we talked about during the ssc forum i think we kind of need to bring it home and um uh, talk a little bit about how this applies to the secure, secure service edge you know this is a uh, i don't know if you want to say transformational uh, technology but it's it's a technology that that borders uh, or brings together, you know, your security, your networking folks, your end-user compute, your operations. There's a pretty large team here that has to come together for these projects to be successful. And I, I kind of want to get some of your thoughts on, you know, how do we start to bridge the gaps? So um, as companies and, and teams and, and folks undertake these this type of project, um, how do they make it successful? What are, what are some of your thoughts? What would you, your recommendations be uh, to, to people out there that are looking to embark on this? Well, that's that's a good question. I mean, I, I, I think we've kind of covered some of it. Like vision to me is, is pretty critical. Like why? Why are we doing this? Why, why would a company start a, an SSE journey? What are the the outcomes that they need. I mean, I, I've i always gone through my career trying to be a leader versus a manager and have kind of people follow me because they believe I'm doing the right thing. And, and for me, one of the, the, the main reasons to, to kind of transition over to Axis and, and be involved in SSC is because I saw a, a change in the world kind of come about because of the pandemic and the hybrid work and work from home. And I've always been about the people. And I've, for me, I'm trying to balance it's more secure with it gives people a, a better lifestyle. Um, the world's a hard place to live in. And, and people work really, really hard to support their families and, and, and all of those things. And if an IT team can come together and, and, allow people flexibility and, and to spend more time with family and not commute so much and to spend time at home and have that flexibility and, and be secure. 
then I think that's pretty key. And for me, that's that's the vision, the why. Why should companies do this? Well, they should do it because I fundamentally believe that happy people work harder and put more in. And you alluded to that when you talked about, about teams. If you have a good team of people and you look after those people, they're more likely to stay around for longer and they'll go that extra mile when you ask them to. So if we treat all of our staff like that and we give them the flexibility with work from anywhere, work from home, all of this, then I fundamentally believe they'll work harder and they'll, they'll put more in. Um, and there are statistics to say that. I mean, and then we could spend a whole new topic on that. So, so to answer your question, I think the why, get across what the vision is. Why are we doing it? What are the benefits? There also needs to be um, the skills gap, I think, is one of the things that does need to be closed. Um, I think these things are new to a lot of people. So having these kind of conversations that we have, that we have with within the SSC forum that we podcast about, educating people, helping people, um, the roles that we play are are kind of that trusted advisor, helping people, bringing people up to speed. And that's not necessarily, I, I don't necessarily think that the, there's a skills gap with SSC in general. I think there's maybe some understanding and, and things that need to be kind of explained to people. But I think the fundamental technology underneath is, isn't particularly new. I think the way in which we use it is, is the skills gap, is the education element um, that, that we, we need to help people with. And communication. I mean, we talked a little bit about communication in the forum itself. And we talked about making sure that you keep everyone aware, that you you involve people in why you're doing things so that they feel included and, and so that they don't be the blockers to projects. Um, so all of those things kind of come together. Make sure your vision's right. Make sure you feel people are included. Um, make sure they're educated. And I think that those would be my main topics. Yeah, I, <clears throat> in checking my notes, I had um, putting my Colin Powell hat on, um, set the vision is critically important. You know, we, we both talked about that. Use the vision to create a strategy and then understand your capabilities. Uh, where are the strengths in the department or your, on your team and where are the weaknesses and um, adjust for that. Based on that, create the processes. And then finally, really the most one of the most important areas is, is that ability to execute. Um, and when you are executing, my recommendation in looking at a secure service edge uh, transformation is to start small. Find it, find a good use case. Um, excellent use cases we've seen. And, and when we talk with our customers, there's third-party access, uh, mergers and acquisitions. Uh, if you're looking to do a large transformation, find a small branch office uh, in your organization. Some uh, sales office is always a great one because it's um, lightly staffed and those users or those employees tend to be rather mobile. And um, that's a great opportunity to look like for an internet connected office. And then have your team execute on those projects, have them learn it, have them understand it, get used to it. And then um, as they do, it's it's like a carpet unrolling. It, it uh, starts slow, but then it starts to move faster. And um, then you just keep going you, and you understand you know, your objectives of where you're going, 
Um, what's the next piece? It's likely a, a bigger chunk of the puzzle. And then you just keep going. And then my last item, and this is one that um, I've seen so many times where uh, we bring in a new technology and it's uh, it changes the organization or changes the way the team works. Um, but the thing we always forget is to remove that old technology. Um, we may roll out that brand new uh, solution, but uh, you know the solution it's replacing, honestly, a lot of times we forget to remove it and um, it stays there. And uh, so my last recommendation is, is to remove that old technology, uh, whether it be a hardware appliance or a solution from a previous vendor, um, always include that in your plan. So I think I think we've covered this one. Um, it was a great conversation within the SSC forum. Um, we're going to continue that, and um, our next meeting is going to be about uh, digital uh, experience. So this is an area that uh, doesn't get a lot of conversation within SSE or SASE. Um, the focus tends to be more on the networky or security items, but it's not on the solutions that really need to be in the background to make it successful from an operational perspective. So we'll be talking about digital experience in our May meeting, and then we'll be at RSA. Um, so looking forward to that one. We'll have a live meeting on, I believe it's Wednesday at RSA. Super excited. Get to see Jay in person uh, as, res, as uh, and a number of other folks that are part of the forum. So uh, very excited about that. And then also, um, We've got some webinars coming up, and that's really more on the access side. But I know, Jay, you just recorded a new webinar, and then uh, you and I have one coming up here real soon together. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to echo that I'm really excited about meeting people face-to-face -face at a conference again, specifically meeting you. So I'll, I'll buy you that beer I owe you. Um, but yes, a couple of webinars coming up. And so keep an eye on our LinkedIn, um, and you'll see that. Um, but yeah, it'd be really good to meet you. Looking forward to it. All right, folks, we'll uh, see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to The Edge, the official podcast of the SSE Forum. Look for more great content coming soon as we explore the journey to the Secure Service Edge. And please give us a thumbs up on your favorite podcast platform. And to learn more about the SSC Forum, please check out ssceforum.io.